Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes. And again, for the next few minutes, please stay with me. It's going to be a time of motivation, inspiration, education, all done with no manipulation. Yes, we don't sell anything. We're not trying to hustle you. We're not trying to recruit you to join up, fess up, give up, nothing like that. This show is about one thing and one thing only, and that's giving you accurate information. Information that my prayer is will help you verify as well as identify the plan of God for your life. And if you're able to do that, you can orient and adjust to that plan. That's up to you. But we don't offer useless human speculation. There's enough of that around today. We offer accurate information from the canon of Scripture. Short biblical principles, biblical concepts that will help you understand God's will and plan for your life. And so my prayer is that if you're listening, you will continue to listen. If you'd like to get a hold of the book we've been talking about, Understanding Your Soul, feel free to write to me. We'll send it at no charge immediately as soon as we hear from you. Because we've been doing a series on the soul of the believer. And let's keep this in mind. You are, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are trichotomous. My pastor taught me that years ago, trichotomous. That means you have a body, and uh, it may be skinny, it may be big, it may be short, it may be tall, but you have a body, and you have a soul. Everybody has a soul, even unbelievers. The soul has mentality. The soul has volition. The soul has a conscience and a self-consciousness or an awareness of self. I mean, you can look in your yearbook and pick yourself out, can't you? That's self-consciousness. And so you have all of that in your soul. Now, there is another part, and that is the human spirit. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you have accepted him as your Savior, you have been born again. That means you don't have a different body. You still have the same body. You don't have a new soul. You still have the same soul. But the human spirit that was dead inside of you because of your identification with Adam's original sin has now been made alive, and you are now indwelled by God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, Ephesians 1.13. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Galatians says that this brings about a war, a war between the flesh and the spirit. And the idea that the Apostle Paul wrote is that there's always a conflict inside of your soul. That conflict essentially is the old sin nature, that old part of you, wanting to control your thoughts, your emotions, and then God's Holy Spirit in control of you, wanting to do exactly the same thing. And it all boils down to one simple thing, your volition. Who do you choose to let be in control? This is why sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. Do you ever see that commercial on television? You have both of these at war. The Bible says the flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh. And these are contrary to one to another so that you can't do the things that you would do. There's always a war. And as long as you allow God's Holy Spirit to control your life, 
then you can be in tune with God's will, plan, and purpose for your life. Now, how would you stop the Holy Spirit controlling your life? Well, one little three-letter word, sin. When we sin, whether it's something that we think, something that we say, or something that we do, when we sin, the Bible says we quench the Holy Spirit and we grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible uses a term called carnal. When you sin, you become carnal. You become fleshly. You see, at any one time in your life, like right now, right now while you're listening to me, you are either filled with the Holy Spirit and spiritual, or you are controlled by your old sin nature and carnal. How would you know the difference? Is there unconfessed sin in your life? That's the difference. Is there sin in your life you haven't dealt with? I don't mean forsake it. That's not what I'm talking about. I said, have you named it to God? The Bible says if we confess our sin, 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us from all of our wrongdoing. And the secret to that verse is the word confess. It's a compound verb, homo legeo. Homo is the same, and we use it in our English language. We get from the Greek word homo, meaning the same, we come up with the word homosexual, the same sexually. But when the Bible says confess, it's not homosexual, it's homo logeo. Logeo means to say. And so if you put the word to say along with the word the same, what the meaning is, is if we say the same. So essentially what God is telling you, when you sin, admit the sin to him. Tell him what you did. Don't say, I was a bad boy, God. I was a bad girl, God. Tell him what you did. I lied. I cheated. I lusted. I lost my temper. I said something I shouldn't have said. I gossiped. I'm a lion. I was afraid. I worried. You see, these are all sins. When you fulfill 1 John 1, 9, you are using problem-solving device number one on the flock line of your soul. That's the rebound technique. When you rebound, when you name your sin to God, you are automatically, instantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly. Now, you're already indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and you're already sealed by the Holy Spirit, but you simply have quenched the Holy Spirit by means of your sin, and you chose to do it. Now you must choose to admit it. The psalmist in Psalm 32, 4 and 5 said, as long as I kept my mouth shut and didn't admit my sin, I almost dried up and died. Yes, God does discipline those that he loves according to Hebrews 12. He can administer warning discipline. He can administer intense discipline, and there is even dying discipline. This is for the believer. Even under dying discipline, the believer goes to heaven. You can read 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 for yourself. He's going to heaven, but his life was cut short. Now, I know you want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven, but neither one of us want to go on the next train. We'd like to live all of our days that God allows us on this earth. Well, if you hide your sin from God and don't admit it, then you're going to come under warning discipline 
eventually intensive discipline, and if that doesn't give you an attitude adjustment, there could be dying discipline. There is a sin unto death, 1 John 5. You can read it, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, right in there. Read it for yourself. These are for believers who break fellowship with God and do not ever use problem-solving device number one, and they become useless to God. And so he simply takes them home way too soon. And it's not a victorious crossing over the river either. A lot of times there's suffering involved because this believer would not listen to God the Holy Spirit. This believer would not obey God's word. And this believer had to be taken home way too soon. Don't let that be you. Use rebound when you know you've sinned and make sure you are back in fellowship with God. Now, your Holy Spirit inside of you can teach the human spirit inside of you what God's plan is. See, the secret to learning is the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can't grow if you quench the Holy Spirit. You can't grow if you grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the teacher of spiritual phenomena to the human spirit. You see, your human spirit is how you have fellowship with God. The Bible says we worship God in spirit and in truth, and Christ is truth. And so as we learn the mind of Christ, it's the Holy Spirit who helps us metabolize that information. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us bring that information into the mind so that we understand it and comprehend it. Now it's our faith, once we understand it and comprehend it, that gives us the ability to put it to use and apply it into our lives. And that's why Jesus said, happiness belongs to those people who hear my Father's word and who keep it. That's the application part. The hearing part, well, that's you going to church listening to a well-qualified pastor teach you God's Word. As he teaches you God's Word, if you are out of fellowship, if you have unconfessed sin in your life, you are in the right place, but you are in the wrong way. The Holy Spirit is quenched. The Holy Spirit is grieved. And so there's not going to be the process of spiritual conversion. You're not going to get what he taught and be able to apply it. You're only going to get human viewpoint thinking. And I'll tell you something else. When someone begins to teach something that's contrary to the Word of God and promote it as true, if they begin to tell you that this is true or that is true and it's not, the Holy Spirit will not metabolize that information. He will not allow that information, which is false doctrine, he will not allow that information to cycle into your soul. And the reason is because it would be sin. It would be sin. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Yes, you can sin by buying into false doctrine. And that's why the Bible constantly says, stick with the truth. Follow the path of the people that set the road down before you. Don't stray. Don't go looking. And listen, Jude talks about people out there that are like uh, wandering stars. They're like roaring waves. My pastor's been teaching the book of Jude lately, and we are right now 70 hours into that little short book. 
And many false teachers are like wandering stars. They're like waves with foam, and there's nothing to them. They break and they're gone. The star flies by and it's gone. And these are unbelievers sometimes who are there to hustle you. They're there to get you somehow or another to get into your pocket. Maybe an insurance salesman. Maybe somebody in a multi-level marketing business. But they show up in your church and they hustle you and they try to get you involved so they can make some bucks off of you. Or it could be some false teacher that comes into your church or some pastor that you put confidence in that teaches you something that's not true. It's not true. It's a stretch. And you say, okay, I believe it. That's not the Holy Spirit. You have quenched the Holy Spirit and grieved the Holy Spirit because you bought in to false doctrine or what's called doctrine of demons. Satan's got his own crew out there, and they're well at it every day. And if there's anything the believer must do, it's guard the doctrine in his soul. You know, the Bible talks about raining the word, the word raining down. If I use that metaphor, every time you go to church, you ought to carry an umbrella with you. That's right, because you want the pastor to rain the word of God down on you. You want to be fed God's word. You want to be nourished in God's word. But you can't do it if the Holy Spirit's not in control. So with sin in your life, it's not going to work. Or with someone teaching you that's not something that's not true, it's not going to work. Only the Holy Spirit can verify what's true. And only the Holy Spirit can allow you to have fellowship with God. So yes, you have a body. Yes, you have a soul. And yes, you have the Holy Spirit living in your human spirit, allowing you to have fellowship with God. And when your body decays and crumbles and goes to the ground, and it will, don't put your hope in science that they're going to find a cure. It's going to happen. When that happens, you're going to be transferred. You're going to have a new body, a resurrection body, and your soul and your spirit will have an eternal home in the new body, in the resurrection body. As an unbeliever, well, it's darkness and torment forever, according to the book of Jude and many other passages. The lake of fire was prepared for Satan and the fallen angels, not for you. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, the anointed Savior of the world, to pay for your sin. But when you fail to receive him and accept that, when you try to pay for it yourself, then you just can't add up. That's why the Bible says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did I not do many wonderful things in your name? And he said, I will tell them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You worked iniquity. Iniquity is human good. Iniquity is satanic good. Iniquity is you doing all the right things in the wrong way. It's no good. It doesn't honor God whatsoever. So remember this. Without the filling of the Holy Spirit, nothing works in the Christian life. Your soul doesn't prosper. You don't have fellowship with God without the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's problem-solving device number one, rebound. And then number two, the filling of the Holy Spirit. Without the filling of the Holy Spirit, you cannot have fellowship with God. Without the filling of the Holy Spirit, you build up garbage in your soul. 
without the filling of the Holy Spirit, the metabolization process of the Word of God from your pastor to you doesn't work. So you have to remember this. Now, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6.17 that we're to put on the helmet of salvation. If you remember this, your soul is in your thinking. Your thinking, your, your thoughts, your intents, your motivations, your desires. You will readily understand the Lord's mandate to wear that helmet. It protects your soul. It is your eternal security. See, the Bible talks about eternal salvation, and it occurs the moment you believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. And people sometimes will say, well, you can lose your salvation if you do something bad. Well, just exactly how bad do you have to be? Is it telling a lie? Is that when you lose it? Oh, no, brother. Well, is it getting drunk and telling a lie? Oh, well, now you're getting close, brother. And so I have to go get saved again? That doesn't work that way. That's not the way. One salvation delivers you from the flames of the lake of fire forever. That's faith alone in Christ alone. You are saved eternally. The moment you accept Christ as your Savior, you are saved eternally. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you get a ticket to heaven, it's punched, it's guaranteed, and you put that helmet on and you carry it forever. It's protecting your thoughts. You see, what Satan wants to do is he wants to get you to doubt God's faithfulness. He wants to get you to doubt God by thinking that maybe you can do something God hasn't prepared himself for. Maybe I did something really bad and maybe the, God, the salvation that God provided doesn't cover that. You do not have to worry about doing something so stupid that you're going to lose your salvation. As a matter of fact, I'd be willing to bet you that most of us have already done that stuff really stupid, stupid things, things that no one knows about. You think no one knows about them in your mind. You hope no one knows about them, but God does. And you're still saved. You're still a Christian, aren't you? You're not dead yet. You're still listening to me. I mean, if the Father was through with us, we would be toast. He's not through with you. Yes, you've done some stupid things. Yes, you've had your addictions in different areas. But if you will use rebound, if you will admit it to God, and if you will search the scriptures and grow and water your soul with his word, you won't have to worry about all the doubts and the fears anymore. You are protected from the fear of death, and you have the joy and security of knowing that God watches over you on earth, and heaven is waiting on you. So being saved means being delivered. Your soul will be delivered. When you die, you will take off. You will take off and you will head for heaven. Your sin nature will leave your soul. It's not going to be there any longer. It'll be gone. And you will not have a sin nature in heaven. That sin nature is part of that body. And that is gone. You will have a new body. No old sin nature. So the Bible tells us not only are we to have on the helmet of salvation to protect our thoughts from doubt, but we are to have the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. It's available to every one of us, and I've been sitting here talking to you, giving you God's Word for 20 minutes now. 
It's available to every believer, but only through the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you are not filled with the Holy Spirit by using rebound, you cannot process God's Word. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes spiritual phenomenal spiritual phenomena possible. And if he's quenched and he's grieved, no matter how much you listen to a pastor, no matter how much you try to read the Bible, with unconfessed sin in your life, it's not going to cycle through. Listen, if Jesus Christ had to rely entirely on God the Holy Spirit to sustain his humanity so that he could execute the plan of God, then what about you? We are much more dependent on that power. And we receive it at salvation. We're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. We're filled with the Holy Spirit at salvation. And when we sin, we quench the Holy Spirit. When we rebound, we're, re we're filled with the Holy Spirit again, and we're not under control of the flesh anymore. Just agree with God what you did, and you can regain the most powerful weapon in the world. Do you know what the most powerful weapon in the world is? It is not some terrorist bomb. It is not some terrorist threat. The most powerful weapon in the world is the Word of God. Listen to Hebrews 4.12. My pastor used to quote this every sermon he would quote this. The Word of God is constantly living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the point of dividing the soul from the spirit and the joints from the marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and the intents of the mind. No created being is exempt from its scrutiny, but everything is naked and exposed before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. It's clear the Word of God is alive and powerful. In your soul, you have the most powerful agent in the universe, God's Word, God's promises. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible, all available for you. The dynamics of the Christian life, all available for you. A life without fear, a life without worry, a life without guilt, a life with confidence, a life of joy and happiness and peace. Listen, it's amazing. And it all starts with you tapping into God's Word. You have a soul, and you have to understand what's soulish and what's human. Listen, there's a lot of human viewpoint floating around. Read the newspaper. And somebody will tell you some human viewpoint. You want to be rich, you want to be happy, win the lottery. That's a lie. You can win the lottery and still be miserable, and you're probably not going to win the lottery anyhow. Save your money. But listen, what makes you happy? Remember what I told you? Happiness belongs to those people who hear God's Word and keep it. Luke 11, 27, and 28. That's from the words of Jesus Christ our Lord himself. So God's Word, when this verse tells us, take on the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Listen, God's Word enters our soul through the Spirit. It's perfect. It's perfect. God's Word is perfect. And by the way, it wasn't written in English. It wasn't written in the King James Version. It was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And what we have today are translations from the originals. So when it comes to studying the Bible, we need somebody that knows the languages because the Bible tells us in the original language it's perfect. 
and in those languages that can penetrate, divide, and distinguish between the smallest distinctions of the soul and the spirit, even as the secret to life is found in God's word, so also is the secret to power. Therefore, you have to believe the word of God and appropriate the word of God in order for those promises in your soul to have power to be available for you. So if you're positive to God's word, and if it becomes like a sword in your hand that you're able to cut deeply into you, into your enemies, and, and for your own benefit, it can change your mental attitude, it can give you a lasting peace, it can give you contentment and fulfillment in your life, that's how powerful God's word is. It will defend you from the influence of satanic doctrine and the temptations that come from sin and evil. That's why we're told in Proverbs 4.23, guard your soul with all vigilance, because out of it are the issues of life. How do you guard your soul? By learning and applying God's word. By staying on course. Even though God gives you a sword of power, he never commands you to attack Satan. Stay away from that. He didn't send you to straighten out the devil. He can handle the devil. So when someone, if you get around someone and they start giving commands to the devil and trying to do that kind of stuff, I'd say go quickly and get away. It's exactly the opposite. He gives every believer the necessary armor to protect his soul, but not to attack the enemy of the soul. God didn't send you to attack Satan. He sent you to grow, to guard your soul. And so nestled in your soul is God's word. And it will defend you from the enemies, both human and invisible enemies. You will be defended by learning God's word. So the word of God defends itself if you guard it in your soul. Do you know what can turn you into a coward? It's your emotions. In a crisis, if you flip over to emotions, you're going to melt and become a loser in the crisis. You can't live by your emotions. You have to live with confidence in God's word and what you think. If you're going to defend yourself through the word of God, then leave it in God's hand. Any attack that comes against you, let his word handle it. He said, vengeance is mine, Deuteronomy 32, 35. Retribution is his. At the right time, their foot shall slip, for the day of their calamity is near, and the impending events are hastening on them. God's not slack. God's not slow. Your first mandate is to grow in grace, not to fight the enemy. Let the Lord handle the battles. You just arm your soul with God's word. Understand God's will for your life and let the Lord handle the battles. You focus on the solution, not the problem. The problem could be anything from finances to health to social, medical, any kind of problem. Listen, there's an answer. It's in the Word of God. And when you know it and you have faith in God's Word, you can do exactly what Moses told those Israelites to do. Stand still and watch what God is about to do. Did the Red Sea open? You bet it did. And he delivered them, just like he will deliver you. All right, next week, we'll be back, same time, same place. Until then, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Floodline.
Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.